So many advisors mention that they feel like they need to hire to grow or they need to sell luxury or they need to insert any traditional response here to be successful in the industry. But success looks different for everyone. To some, it may be monetary. To some, it might be company size. And to others, it might be notoriety. What drives you does not necessarily drive the advisor who's next to you. So how do you know what you want out of your business long term? That's the question we're going to dig in to today. So we're outlining the roadmap to help you discover and clarify what you want out of your business, as well as how to create the goals that will help you get there. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from T. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat and join us to talk all things travel and business. This is interesting because we've talked about in previous episodes how our perspective on what we considered successful has changed over time. Like what I originally thought when I went independent and then added 12 advisors at one time, February 2020, interesting times. But my goals then are very different than my goals now. And I think that's largely a season of life thing, but I think it's also you don't know what you don't know until you try it. And to me at that time, notoriety and size was the goal. I wanted people to know exploratory travel in the industry. I wanted people to know that they could go to any exploratory advisor and get a quality experience. And that could be a multitude of advisors with different niches. That has changed over time. Like we said in our episode about like, if we would start tomorrow, a new agency, what would that look like? If you haven't listened to that episode, it is our top ranking episode so far. So give it a listen. We go through everything that we would do differently if we started tomorrow than what we did in the beginning. But one of the things that we want to talk about today is the different models and visions that people have, and then how you can actually define what your specific vision is. Because a lot of the time people are like, I'm getting busy. I need to grow. I need to bring on an IC. And that does not have to be the answer. We've mentioned that in multiple podcasts before, but what is the answer? Do you have a long-term vision for your company or are you just getting through it because you feel like you have a lot of volume? And a lot of people fall into that category where they're like, I'm just getting through it. I'm just trying to get the needs met. And if you never step back to evaluate where you're going, you never get that sense of fulfillment in your goals because you haven't really defined them. You haven't defined a mission. So you could go independent. You could host advisors and create a reputation like I originally wanted to do. You could scale a hosted business to maximum profitability. And that could be very sufficient and very successful. That would probably be my route now. And then you could aim to sell your book of business or ultimately your agency over time. So is your goal to sell? Is it to stay in the business forever and pass it down as a legacy business? What does the long-term look like for you and have you given any thought to that? So we're going to start there and we're going to start with step one. So the first step I would say is definitely defining your core values. 
And again, we do talk about this in our agency expansion and we have the free preparing your business for growth masterclass. You can get it on our website on the homepage. And we kind of dive deep into this because it's so, so, so important. But I always think the first step for any business is to lay out your mission, vision, values, and they all very much tie in together. And the way I like to differentiate them like one from the other is like your vision would be the mountain in the distance, like where you're going. The mission is like how the road that you're on to get you to that vision. And then the values would be like your rumble strips on the side. So if your car goes off the road, it like keeps your car on because your core values, they're so important because it really should be your guiding principles that kind of shape your decisions, your behaviors, the services you provide, all of these things. Because it's like your own values, like it's like your personal values, but for your business. So like what's important to you. And it also allows you when you're sharing those visions, well, you should be living out those values, of course. But yes, when you're sharing those values, it's important for like audiences and your client base because it fosters that trust. It aligns like with their own beliefs and their expectations of like what they will be getting from you in return. And it strengthens your relationships and loyalty over time between the individual and your organization. So values are so crucial. I think they're kind of tricky. I think these were the vision makes sense. The vision, the mission, they were first things that me and Jen said. The values is where it got a little bit. Okay. So what does that mean? Like, what are our values for the organization and sitting down? And that was especially important as we grew. We hired probably more. We we haven't hired much this year, but that was like our big hiring year. So it became more important that values were set then, which they should have been set in the beginning. But when we started growing and like bringing people into the fold, it became even more and more important to define those values. And then again, as we've continued to evolve, like now we have niche. And now when we're sitting down and we're like, hey, here's this big, cool, crazy idea. Do we want to do it? And it's like, well, does it align with our values and our mission? Like, Because if not, like if mine and Jen's end goal is to build a business that kind of runs outside of us, like is adding more, you know, one-on-one access to us going to get us mm-hmm. to that vision? Yes or no? And the answer is pretty clearly no. Regardless of how many people say they need it, they want it, they got to have it sort of situation, maybe there's a way to circumvent that and offer them something that they want in a different container or something like that. But the values, particularly, it helped with, I think, how we got to where we're at now. Yeah. I mean, one of our values is disruptor. And so we always try and think like, what is someone else not doing that can help the industry and what it what are people asking for that has not been provided yet our our solution this year was seven figure sales everyone's like there's no psychological approach to travel advising and there's no sales approach to travel advising specifically in this non-conceptual way right like sales can be very conceptual we broke it down into a very literal process that could be followed. And if you follow the entire course, to me, I definitely believe at the end, you're going to have just a much more followable, is that a word? (laughs) Followable roadmap. And values was incredibly important in travel specifically. So people attach to brands when they feel like their internal values align particularly when it comes to sustainability or even like luxury, the the luxury and how that ties to a value is our values are to provide you the most 
convenient way of doing something. So like your value could be convenience. You can actually Google a lot of value banks. And I would say, don't just pick the words that sound good. Like there are a lot of buzzwords, right? That we can throw at things. But when you see them, you have this emotional response and you can actually qualify what it means to you. So that's something that we always did on the Explorator website is we picked five values. You could pick three values. You could pick six values, whatever it is. I think as long as you go back to those values to kind of quality check yourself and hold yourself accountable over time, that's a real point of clarity. And I actually just listened to a podcast on this, like how your brand evolves over time and how your values are actually going to adjust over time as well, because you adjust as a human over time. And a lot of the times we grow with our audience. So what was once your value does not always have to be your value But when you define your values, it allows you to create a service suite and a vision and a mission and all of these things that are rooted in those core beliefs. I mean, when people think about consuming from a store now, if they do something, think of like cancel culture. If you do something that is in contradiction of your values, you get canceled. So what are the values that you stand for? Like you have to stand for something. So create those foundational values so that people can emotionally tie to your product because the the chances that they're going and reading your vision and being like, I'm picking this company because of their specific vision, that vision is more internally to drive you. However, the values are really what you live out for your clients on a day-to-day basis. So, okay, that was a little bit verbose. But that's step one. Define your beliefs and your convictions and what you want to stand behind and make sure that everything you do is aligned with those values. The next thing is that you are going to create that vision and mission statement. I think that so many people have trouble articulating this and it's because they put so much weight in these like two sentences. Here's the thing. And and it tripped us up for a while too. Like if you have a few words that you need to change over time. Like we're giving you permission to do it. It is okay. Again, if your vision and your mission statement evolve, write down on a piece of paper in the simplest of forms, this is what I want my business to be. And just jot it down. Then throw it into chat GPT and say, write in a more vision statement oriented sentence or something like that and play with it until it sounds good to you. But don't delay this for years because you're so worried of what two sentences are going to do to your business. Like, let's take the pressure off of that a little bit and just claim, this is what I want our mission to be. This is what I want us to stand behind and vision. This is where we want to be long-term in the future. And it does not have to be this stake in the ground that people are going to choose or not choose you because of it. However, it is something that you should read it. I would even recommend reading it every company meeting that you ever have. So if you have team members, like start your meetings every time with reading through this so that it just grounds you And anything that feels in contradiction to those mission and vision statements, go back and say, are we working towards this? And again, Robin mentioned this, like whenever we're creating a service suite, we say like, pause, pause, pause. This all sounds great. Is this getting us closer to our long-term vision for us internally? Not even for the client, but our vision is that 
We want to create resources that empower the industry to scale to the level that they want, but we don't want to have to be on demand at all times like we once were because we're in a season of life where we want to give that energy to our family and friends and be present. So everything that we do has to align with that goal. Every service we create, every course that we create and how we lay it out. We have spent like two hours grappling over like different offers and things like that. And at the end of the day, we're like, we keep on getting away from our our purpose because we know this would be beneficial. But I go back to that statement, just because you can doesn't mean you should, but you are your own brand. And if someone wants to create another service that caters to someone in that way, that's perfectly fine. That maybe you're just not a fit for them. Mm-hmm. And you kind of need I to be agree. okay with that. You do need to be okay with that. And it's, that's easier said than done. Sure. And I think that's what trips us up too. It's like, well, everyone's telling us we need this. And if we don't offer it, someone else will. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> then okay. they, they don't okay. get time with their family. And we, we do get time for our family. So it's like, you need to hold on to the things that you really, really want to hold on to. And then like gets you closer to that ultimate vision, but be okay. Like releasing, you don't have to do everything. What do dinner reservations, spa bookings, and sourcing one-off hotels outside your scope all have in common? You don't ever have to do them again. No, seriously, that's what Lucia is for. Lucia is a freelancer marketplace where you can outsource items on your to-do list on a task-per-task basis. All freelancers are sourced from within the travel industry. So if you're wondering, will they get it? They will. For a $57 discount on your annual membership, Head on over to the show notes and join Lucia today. I think there's a lot of power in like kind of releasing them being like, okay, I could do it. doesn't mean I should. And for us, that access and that mentorship, we consider our podcast to be a lot of that. It doesn't have to be one-on-one paid consultations. However, someone else that could fill their cup, that could be like everything they love about their business. And that's perfectly fine. And for you as a travel advisor, you could offer the most hands-on service possible because it, it fills your cup and that is success to you. And that's where your like values are aligned. You're sor- service oriented and that's one of your main values is that concierge level touch. Whereas someone else could be like, my value is empowerment and I am going to give you all the tools, but I'm not going to handhold as much. So You can see how your values just kind of covering those two things essentially ends up driving your client experience. All right. That requires some introspection. So step three. Step three is assessing. This kind of goes into two parts, but first is assessing kind of your current state. You're the current state of your business. So where are you at right now? Kind of like doing a little SWOT analysis, if you will. SWOT standing for strength, weakness, opportunity, and threats to evaluate like the internal strengths and weaknesses that you have going on and any external opportunities or potentially external threats that could be coming up that you need to be aware of. So, and I think people get tripped up by threats. Threats could be something as simple as like AI. Like that's like technically a threat in the industry. Like, you know, people can book AI on themselves. So that sort of thing. Taking some time, 
and now it's the end of the year too. End of the year is always like fresh start evaluation. So this really is like the perfect time to kind of be sitting down and kind of taking some time with your business. But another way to assess your current state is to look at your client feedback. Like how are people feeling about working with you? Understanding what they need, how satisfied they are, any areas of improvement that you could be making in the new year for yourself or your services and your clients. And then of course, finances. Finances matter. Money matters. Taking the time to analyze like, are you profitable? Are you bringing in the money that you want? How's your revenue versus expenses looking in your profit margin? And really sit down to assess the health of your business. And then market research. Researching like the current travel market, the industry trends, what's coming up? Are there competitors that are doing some really cool things? Are there gaps that you could probably be filling or growth opportunities for your business that you could be capitalizing on in the new year in some way? And it, this is kind of like a full day's work of sitting down and really getting some clarity on like where you stand. Every time we go and we redo the website or we redo services, I always sit down and try to comb through like client testimonials to see how people are feeling about stuff. Typically, it's all positive. We'll do market research a lot. We did one inside of Niche, which led to a restructure for us. And so it's important to take the time to really sit down because unless you know where you're at right now, you can't really set goals or like adjust accordingly. So the next part of this step three, I guess, would be to set those goals for yourself, for your travel business. So making sure based on all this feedback, based on all the things I looked at, my goals for next year are X, Y, and Z. And making sure that these goals are, quote, smart goals, like what you learned in school. So specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. So they actually get done. I was like the person who always had the big crazy goals that like, how do you measure any of that? So sitting down and making sure that you're including targets to hit and timelines and that it's reasonable. Like I think a lot of people sit down and they're like, well, I want to make X amount of money next year. And it's like, well, what did you make this year? Oh, I don't know. Well, if you don't know what you made this year, then it's kind of hard to set a goal for next year because is that number too high? Is that number too low? Like you really don't know what's going on. So that's why the first part of this section is so important before you go into the goal setting section. But for goals, I think some ideas, I guess, of goals that you could have for your business would be client retention. Because it doesn't always have to be financial. I think financial targets are typically what people think of when they think of goals for their business because money matters. But things like client retention. If you're not getting referrals from previous clients, if you're not getting return clients, there's something going wrong in your business. If you're by year two, I would say this with confidence. If by year two, if you're not starting to see the majority of your business come in through referrals and return clients, then I would say you need to reevaluate your entire client experience and your systems because that is what will drive up your average ticket price over time. Otherwise, it's like Groundhog Day every day. And you, it, you're you going to really be grappling to graduate your clients to a different price point. We're about to go into year four and we've talked to hundreds of travel <laughs> advisors. I don't think there's been a single one who's like, my goal is to always have a new client. Like I never want repeat business. Because you're right. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. And I think that's where everyone's trying to get to is to get less new clients and make sure that that referral number or repeat business number is significantly higher than any sort of new business. So. That is a really awesome goal to set. 
service expansion. If you want to expand your services in any way or start offering new travel packages or learn about a certain destination and start specializing in a certain destination, you could set goals about that. Of course, there is marketing and promotion goals. If you want to, you know, grow your email list this year or really prioritize fostering engagement on your social media platform. So they aren't just like a stagnant platform. They're more community based. You could set goals like that. And then of course there's operational stuff like efficiency. Make sure you're streamlining your booking process. Maybe cutting down on like the time it takes to get somebody from like inquiry to booked, things like that. Like on the back end and processes oriented. And then finally, there's professional development. Like maybe you want to take a class this year on public speaking and start reaching out and doing more podcast appearances to get yourself out there in front of a community or you know, you want to do some networking at your own community center or something like that. There's so many times where we think about numbers and money and all of that. And we don't think so much about like the professional development as well. And that could be shows too. Like mm-hmm. I I had a goal that I wanted to get accepted to ILTM and I feel like that's a common goal for people at a certain level of business, especially if you're working with DMCs because you're just able to meet so many and it it really is a validating event. I will say like I just really enjoyed being around other advisors that I knew were at a certain point of their business financially. That doesn't mean necessarily, I want to reiterate, and you guys hear us say this all the time, but just because someone is selling doesn't mean they're making. I consider being around people that are performing at a high sales level, a very good chance that you're going to get some good best practices. But I think anytime you're in those settings, like remembering that there can be a lot of spend in our industry too, that doesn't necessarily mean that people are taking the income home that they want. So like grain of salt, take the best practices, but also like remember your foundational values. If part of your vision, your vision and mission is to be financially sustainable for all of the quality of life that you want to have, it can be financial, but it needs to be rooted in, in so many other things. And that education is a major driver of being able to get there. So I like that professional development piece because it could be about sales. It could be about, it doesn't even have to be about the industry at all. Like it could be about anything. It could be email marketing. It could be something that has nothing to do with the travel industry that will drive your business. And so many people forget to feed the business piece of their business and they focus on travel specifically. Yeah. I love that we started including this in all of our like employee reviews too. Like what are your professional goals for this quarter or year versus what are your like personal goals too? It's a great, if you have a team, I would highly consider adding it in because it's always interesting to hear like, you know, what Ashlyn wants to keep learning more about to better serve her custom client experiences versus Amanda Lynn who like maybe wants to take another design course to stay up to date on all like the upcoming trends of the design world and stuff like that. I do think that's a really good point though. When you create goals for the year, since we are coming up on the end of the year, what are your personal goals too? Yeah. Because those matter. Those matter. And you can't pour from an empty cup. My personal goal is. You're listening to this podcast. You are no stranger to the fact that I love organization. The reality is that organization isn't everyone's strong suit, but it's necessary to have a healthy business. Systems and automation is truly the only way to run a company as a solopreneur. That is why we use ClickUp. 
the all-in-one platform designed to revolutionize your workflow and take your small business to new heights. With ClickUp, you can say goodbye to scattered information, endless email chains, and missed deadlines. Streamline your tasks, projects, and client communication all in one place. ClickUp's intuitive interface and customizable features allow you to tailor the platform to fit your unique business needs. From project management to client collaboration, you'll have all the tools you need at your fingertips. With our growing team, this platform has been a game changer for the way that we run our internal operations. With ClickUp, Jen and I can assign tasks to the team members, track their progress, and keep everybody on the same page. With real-time updates and notifications, you'll never miss a beat. Stay ahead of deadlines with automated reminders and easily delegate responsibilities, freeing up your time to focus on what you do best, creating unforgettable travel experiences for your clients. Ready to revolutionize your travel business? Visit ClickUp.com using the affiliate link in our show notes and discover the power of streamlined productivity. Sign up for a free trial and see firsthand how ClickUp can transform your workload and take your business to new heights. I want to, this is somewhat professional, I suppose, but that's because I love travel. But one of my personal goals is I want to subscribe to more newsletters that could be virtual or paper and stay on top of the hotel trends just because I love hotels. And I don't want to let that piece of my knowledge go by the wayside just because it's not what I'm touching on a daily basis. So like to me, that fills my cup. I love knowing the new hotel openings and the renovations and the hot destinations. And that has nothing to do with what I do now on a daily basis other than when we have you know conversations in niche. But it is something that I don't want to lose because I think it's very fun. It's a very fun part of this job. That's a random thought. But I do think that making sure you're holding yourself accountable to personal goals, and we're not talking like resolutions that go by the wayside. We're talking about true life goals. One of the goals that I think is not looked at enough is average spend per trip Mm. or obviously turnaround time on a proposal. These things definitely drive the efficiency and the profitability of your business. While there are many things that we can't control when it comes to a proposal turnaround, you can control from the point of like sending it out to the point of closing it. So that to me is the metric that should be looked at is like you're able to look at when you sent this to a client. And then evaluate what's working in that proposal process. Are you using Loom? I would argue definitely that using Loom to walk through your proposal is going to shorten that duration and close a lot faster at a higher ticket value. It prevented a lot of ghosting as well for us. People always at least said like, no, I'm good. For sure. And I also think that you close at a higher ticket price because you can hear the passion and the intonation in your voice, but also If your average ticket price is not going up over time, then I think you're either failing to graduate your clients, and maybe you don't want to graduate your clients. Maybe it is in your goals to stay within a certain price point because you like serving that clientele bracket. So maybe you always want to sell cruise and all-inclusive. And you know the average price point for a cruise out of Florida for you know five to seven days. You know what it's going to be. And you're really good at that and you can chug it out. And maybe you don't want to graduate your clients into a different financial category because it would require you to learn different product types and maybe stunt your efficiency. So that's fine. If that's not within your goals, then keep it as is. However, 
a lot of the time, especially for FIT advisors, they're wanting to start, not necessarily wanting to, but they essentially start at a lower price point because they're growing with their audience over time. They gain trust. And many times when you have a client that's returning, you can push them to spend a little bit more now that you know their feedback on certain things. So being able to evaluate spend over time within your business is going to, I think, be an indicator of trust with your clientele. And it will also allow you to know if you should put minimums in place, if your fee structure is aligned and allow you to forecast your years a lot more income-wise because then you're going to know exactly how many trips you need to sell in order to make what you want to make. So all of this data, it has to have a purpose. You can't just measure something for the sake of measuring something. A lot of people are like, well, I know my average spend. Cool. What are you going to do with that information? Is it just that you want to know it? Because you're probably spending a lot of time collecting data that you're not going to do anything with if it's not tied to your goals. So make sure you're only, I would say, and this might be contradictory to some people's perspective, but I would say only collect data that's tied to your goals. Otherwise, you're spinning wheels and collecting data that you have no idea what to do with that information. Do you agree with that at all? 100%. I think data in general to people is very overwhelming. Like not a lot of people consider themselves like a numbers, a data person. I definitely do. And I think there are numbers that matter to your business, but there's also numbers that people are like, you need to be tracking this. And it's like, why? Like, it's just going to stress me out more. It's just more numbers to evaluate. So yeah, identifying the data streams that actually like are going to move the needle for your business are 100% the most important. And then you can cut out the noise of tracking, updating, reviewing stuff that ultimately doesn't matter. A lot of people don't know how to track. So let's like touch on that for a second because we use ClickUp. I would say if you are really going to go down the the deep dive of tracking, you need to work with a ClickUp designer to create a dashboard that allows you to automate that tracking because otherwise every quarter you're going to spend a week collecting data and going back to the trips that have already been completed, whereas you could have actually put it in the lead log and it could have spit out data, which is what we do. And we do know our average spend per client. We have a lot of systems that help us with that. I would say you probably know exactly which platform people purchase on typically, like what point of the process people purchase on. I think that would be an interesting component to add here is how do you track if you're not tracking without completely adding another task to your business that gets away from the purpose of your business? Yeah. And that's a hard question to answer, right? Because it depends on what you're tracking. It depends what your CRM capabilities are, what systems you're comfortable with. But you do have to have a lot of people are like, I hate systems. I don't like this. I don't like that. And it's like, if you don't have it somewhere, if you're not inputting in something into a project manager or a CRM, you're ultimately not able to track. Like if you're just managing everything inside of Excel or inside of your email, there's really no, you kind of got to get organized first. And that's like what Jen said. Like I would, if that is where you're wanting to go with your business, I would highly recommend getting with a ClickUp specialist or somebody who can help build out a software or a platform in order to help you do whatever it is that you want to do, whether it is like my goal is, you know, marketing based or it's operationally based, they'll be able to help you. And Jenna DePaulo is who we use for our ClickUp build. She's fabulous. Love her so much. And she's helped a, a good amount of travel advisors since we've talked about her. So put her information in, in the show notes here, because I think that 
a lot of people would benefit from using ClickUp. Do I think it's the answer for everyone? I absolutely do not because I think that to me, it was very overwhelming. You know this about me. But if you ever bring on a, maybe you bring on a general manager or maybe you bring on a client experience specialist or maybe you're outsourcing once a week through Lucia to do a data extraction and fill that information out and click up. Like maybe you don't have to be the one that's actually managing the click up for it to give you the information. I think there are many ways that you can slice and dice it and you could outsource that task if it feels overwhelming to you and you strictly want the information, but you're like, I do not have the mental space capability, know how to create this or to derive this information, but it is valuable information. And I do think that there's an ROI to knowing it. Because if you were to be able to say, my average fee that I'm charging turns out to be $750, we'll say $750, but I've got you know a few that are actually dragging that down and it's just a few, but it's dragging that average down. Okay. Well, does that mean that you want to get rid of that few? Like, where do you want to focus your energy? And then the same thing for what is your average spend per trip? And if you've got stragglers, like essentially outliers on either side, it allows you to see the median of who your audience is by majority and allows you to define, is this my target audience or do I need to be doing something completely different in order to get to a higher price point or targeting someone else, whatever it may be. So having that information, I absolutely do think that there is going to be a financial gain as long as you have an action plan to do something with it. Now, if you're spending the money to outsource it and then you're doing nothing with the data, again, we're back square one, like we were just talking about again, like don't spend your resources on something that you don't have an action plan to carry out. Don't do it because we're telling you to do it. Don't do it because someone next to you at a conference said that they know their average price point of a trip or their average fee or whatever it may be. Don't do it because of anyone else. Do it because it aligns with your business and you want to better your business in that arena and only focus on the goals there. So that kind of, it overlaps with what we're going to tackle next. And that's plan for growth and develop an action plan because you don't want to create goals that you don't know what to do next. And you're always going to not know what to do next, right? Until it happens. But when you get to XYZ, this is what I want to do next. So I knew that once I went independent and I transitioned to TravelJoy CRM, which allowed me to be more project management. It allowed me to look at the advisor's communication and do some audits in that way. I knew that I wanted to bring on a team. I also knew that once I brought on a team, I wanted to create a class with a mentorship program. And once they were in a place of bringing in their own leads, that's when I wanted to bring on another class. And it was all somewhat fluid, but it was still a plan. And I knew if this, then this, and that's where you need to be. If you're going to plan to grow, then you need to have the next step in mind. So if your plan is to max out profit on your personal productivity, then what comes next after that? Do you stop growing? Do you stop taking new clients or do you bring on a VA or a client experience manager to help offload some of that stress and allow you to bring on more clients? Like what, what is your long-term goal and what are the steps that need to happen in order for you to get there? I don't think that you always know the answer until you've kind of crowdsourced with other advisors. Like don't keep yourself in a bubble and think, you know, all the answers. Don't think that we know all the answers. There's always a different way to do business. 
every time I talk to Heather Keller with Perfect Landing Travel, like she always makes me think in a different direction, which I love. And I think that's the beauty of having community in the travel industry is someone's always going to have a different perspective and you take what works for you and you apply it and you discard the rest, essentially, if it doesn't align with your long-term goals. Yeah. And don't take on every single goal. I think people so often are like, they have these big audacious goals for the year and it's great. I love a good goal, but like you probably can't bring on an entirely new class of booking agents while also booking $5 million in sales. Those goals are going to, unless you're working all hours of the day and that's just silly. So I think you need to be realistic and know that like a lot of times with business, you're playing the long game too. So like, don't just because you hear, you know, Jen's goal of this and Robin's goal of that and Heather's goal of that, you don't need to take all those on yourself. I would say stick to, I always say three, but now I'm even like three feels like a lot sometimes because there's the micro goals that go into reaching the big, huge audacious goal. So it ultimately, you got to be realistic about, you know, the time and the dedication that you're, it's going to take to reach these things. And I just want to make that point because it's very fun to goal plan. It's very fun to like set up your vision for the year and all of these things, but it can quickly become overwhelming. And if you do too much, you ultimately end up doing nothing because it's, if your mind is going on three different goals, you can't go on one at a time. You know what I mean? Like you can't focus. So I think one big goal per year is very reasonable. Again, you don't have to take on the world because there are the sub goals. And when we did Teak Week, we had three big goals and we broke it into sub goals. But when you're looking at all those sub goals, it's so much because if you say, I want to make XYZ, okay, well, let's start with what does your service suite look like? Now revamp your service suite. Now you have to roll out your new fee structure to everyone. Now you need to enlist the help of a bookkeeper to make sure that you are getting an accurate PNL. Now you have to make goals based off of that PNL. Like that one big goal could mean 20 other sub goals. I agree with you completely. Like it does not have to be three because a worksheet said right. three. Because somebody <laughs> on a podcast said three is the number. Like, yeah, I feel like that's always the number of goals people have for the year. And it's, yeah, it all depends. And I mean, maybe if you have smaller goals and they're easily accomplished in like a quarter or something, then go for three. But just understand, because I think a lot of times we'll we'll say the goal, but like we don't break the goal down into those sub goals like we talked about. And that's where people get stuck because they're like, okay, my goal is to reach $5 million in sales. Now what? <laughs> What's the first step? Like, I also want to say challenge yourself on your goal. Why? Why do you want to do that? I, I've said just so many advisors, they'll say, so I'm bringing on ICs and I need to plan. And I'm like, okay, why are you bringing on ICs? Because I'm busy. Why are you busy? What's making you busy? And if you keep like, be the annoying little kid that says like, but why? But why? Like, you know, like it's like nesting, like Russian nesting dolls where you like keep uncovering the layers and you ultimately get to the answer. And the answer could lead you to a very different goal. So just because, again, you've created this goal in your mind because the industry norm has defined this and now you've labeled it as a goal for yourself, say, okay, but why? And if it's still the goal at the end, that's totally fine too. If you still want to sell a million by the end of the year, two million, three million by the end of the year, if you still want to book a private jet one time this year, if you still want to change hosts by the end of the year, that's totally fine. But 
always question the why and then break it into the many different sub goals that go into it and say, is this a realistic goal? Like go back to the the smart goals and map it out and say, is this specific measurable, attainable? That A is so important. Is this attainable for this year? If you sold $50,000 this past year, maybe 2 million next year is not feasible. Maybe you have something coming down the pipeline that you totally know it is feasible. Good on you. Don't set a goal for the sake of setting a goal, especially if it doesn't align with the values. If one of your values is balance, maybe don't set a goal that's going to throw off your balance. And that's cool. Step one is always values and mission and vision before any goal setting comes into play. All right. So let's recap that real quick. Just like if you're jotting notes, if you're driving, whatever you're doing, please don't text and drive. But if you are, if you're jotting notes, step one, define your values. Step two, clarify your mission and vision statement. Again, don't put too much thought into that. Step three, assess your current state and set goals according to where you want to go. Step four is plan for that growth and develop an action plan in how you're going to use the metrics affiliated with those goals. And then define those metrics again and evaluate the success over time. So do you want to dive into that last little bullet a little bit? Yeah. So this kind of goes hand in hand with like the action plan that comes with it, but all of like the actions of like going in and booking $5 million in sales, let's say like you need to have metrics that you are taking a look at over time. So if I want to break that down by quarters, like what do I need to be booking each quarter, each month, each week of business in order to get me to that goal and then set metrics accordingly. Of course, that's for finances. It'll be different if like, you know, your goal is to launch a certain marketing campaign by summer. Like you need to have metrics where it's like by January on this date, I need to have, you know, my plan in place. And then by this time, or let's say you want to make a referral program to launch the summer's travel by May or something. Sitting down and making the plan, like and setting all of those certain metrics for you and your team members to know that, like, we're on track if we do X, Y, and Z, because we need to measure, right? Like, it all goes back to the SMART goals, the M and SMART is measurable. So, understand what you want to learn from each of those goals and what you plan to do with the data. Because if you're not, you know, you aren't going to change behavior based on data, don't spend time measuring it, like we said. So, measure what matters, add the metrics that matter to the goal. And it'll keep you on track. So make sure that the timelines are set and all of that kind of stuff. And maybe put in a calendar reminder over time. If it's three months, if you want to look at your goals quarterly, to me, I like always think of it as like the thermometer on like the fundraising kind of thing where you have like the thermometer and you color in the thing. If you want to slap that on your wall, cool. But evaluating over time, look at it quarterly, look at it every six months and then look at it annually. But put it on your calendar to look at those things because otherwise you will get caught up. You will get in the weeds. You will not remember to to do the CEO day where you're actually evaluating those things because there's a million things in this business. And like we've said before, in any other industry, there's not someone, I would say real estate is similar, but like there are not many other roles in the world that everyone in the industry is doing everything. They're doing the finances, they're doing the marketing. So giving yourself permission to outsource, of course. But if you're at a stage in your business where that's not realistic, you are doing all of it. You're doing all of it. So, I mean, just take the time to evaluate things. Don't put that false sense of urgency on yourself because again, we manufacture stress. So 
evaluate the metrics and just, it's like an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. And adjust if need be. Like, again, if things come up, like life happens, things happen. For sure. You need to be flexible with your goals and making sure that you have the ability to adapt and can adjust over time. Very rarely, like Jen said, we manufacture the stress. So we manufacture these like deadlines sometimes when who knows if my referral program launches in May versus June, Mm -hmm. except for me. But the other catch 92 to that is don't always off put it. Setting a goal and sticking to it is one thing, but adapt if you need to. Don't just adapt because you didn't prioritize what you said you would. Everyone's path to success will look different. You don't have to sell a certain thing, make a certain amount, go to a specific number of shows or any specific shows or do anything that anyone else does. Your vision is exactly that. It is yours. We hope that today's episode helped you gain clarity on your long-term goals and has given you food for thought on how to create a plan of execution. Thank you for joining another Teak Talks episode. If you're loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. So head on over to Apple Podcast, hit subscribe so you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. What can we say? We're not kidding when we tell you that we're big on transparency. That's why we've compiled a few bloopers. Whether you're laughing with us or at us, enjoy these never before heard moments. That's a random thought, but I do think that making sure you're holding yourself accountable to personal goals, and we're not talking like resolutions that go by the wayside. We're talking about true life goals. True life. True life. You remember that show? I never did the reality TV thing. Never caught me. On MTV. And I was a TV show I used to actually really love was Sweet Sixteen. (laughs) They had True Life. I'm a sorority girl, and I was actually sent to Cornell to help them film it at the house. (laughs) This this is a real story. I can't tell the rest of the story. (laughs) It didn't ever air. (laughs) Oh my! Things that went sideways. (laughs) The fame. Uh, yeah, I, I was not supposed to be on it. I was supposed to be like there facilitating and making sure that the chapter was like in line with the marketing standards that like national had set forward. Cause they were so strict about like, they really don't ever put anything on TV. And, and so like the whole crew was there and everything. And it's, it was just a really interesting 72 hours, but yeah, that's true. They, they really aren't anywhere. Yeah. Anyway. We'll have to discuss that over some champagne one day, but it's a very interesting scene. Yeah, I'm story. curious about that. Yeah. Y'all, Ithaca is cold. <laughs> I have never been any place so cold in my life. Cold. They I- thought this Florida girl was ridiculous. I was wearing those um, croc fur boots because I am from Florida and I don't know how to dress in cold weather. And I just went for the most like, Croc weather, yeah, a croc bottom with a fur, but this is when like Uggs were like the thing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I'm going straight crocs because they're waterproof. <laughs> smart, smart stuff. <laughs> oh I really go functional perform <laughs> too often. <laughs> that was an interesting choice for a shoe. Yeah, to each their own. To each their own. Who knows if my referral program launches in May versus June, except mm-hmm. for me. But the other catch 92 to that is don't always off put it. Setting a goal and sticking to it is one thing, 
but adapt if you need to. You did it. You said catch 92 and it's catch 22 (laughs) and I love it. (laughs) I didn't even like register another. What is that? What are those things called that we always mess up? Phrases? (laughs) Words. I was going to leave it, but I was like, it's actually a thing now. So (laughs) one of of us has to do it per episode. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Today it was you. (laughs) That's like Uh, 182. I think that's that's so funny. Well, Robin and Jenism. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.